Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who could fuck up a baked potato. <laughs> uh, I am the Adam Glass, and yeah, uh, like, like the FBI, I'm yeah. incompetent. <laughs> but here's the thing. I'm going to throw two things here out about that. Number one, maybe the only good line in the movie. Um, number two... Also, like it's actually pretty easy to fuck up a baked potato. There's a lot <laughs> of there's no, a lot of things fair. you can do wrong there, including not seasoning it, which seems to be the the hallmark uh, fucking right, up of right, a baked right. potato that happens a lot. Where it's like, yes, I baked a potato, and it's like, yes, you did. You air quotes baked a potato. Congratulations, you put it in the oven. It's hot now. It also tastes since like you, garbage. Since you brought it up that way, I do have to I do have to tell a story about my time as a waiter uh, when I worked at the Athletic Club of Columbus the fancy rich people club that I I don't know that I've ever actually named on air but I haven't worked in there <laughs> there for 2 years I think you're, so, I think uh, you're good to go I think I'm safe uh when I worked uh, at the fancy rich people club we did not offer baked potatoes because it's really you can't bake a potato to order right, uh, right. easily and just having a bunch of potatoes par baked is a big waste of potatoes that no one wanted to commit to uh so they did not serve baked potatoes. Uh, but there were every so often someone who would insist, I want a baked potato. Absolutely want a baked potato. And uh, one of the waiters, one of the longtime waiters, was a much more much more accommodating about that sort of thing than I am. Uh, because I would, I would actively try to convince them not to have the baked potato, whereas he would just present it and say, if I'm going to get you a baked potato, it's going to be microwaved, period. Uh, and whereas I would frame that as this is why you don't want that, right? Uh, he he was always offering it, and so frequently they would agree uh, to have a to microwave have a baked potato. Baked potato. It's like what, what? What are you even doing? Why? Why? Uh, but yeah. So yeah, in all of my time there, never never an actual oven baked uh, potato, uh, but frequently Joe would sell. Microwave baked potato. Okay, I need to throw it. And out. it's still and it's still fifteen minutes. Right. Yeah. At and least. Yeah. And it's garbage. And, and it's just gonna be trash. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Here's the thing. I'm gonna throw a couple things out, and we need to reflect on a couple elements before we get into the movie we're actually talking about. There's a couple <laughs> elements we need to break yeah. down here. Number one. Uh, number one. Uh, this goes to the the standard understanding that I have that I think most people have at this, arrived at this point is that the wealthier you are, the less taste you have. <laughs> Just in that's, general, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, uh, number two, and uh, yeah, it's like and, yes, I would love a microwave baked potato. It's like, what's wrong yeah. with you? Just stop. Go home and I, bake a potato if you really want one that bad. Number, two, I know I have. Oh, go ahead. I know I have said on air before about the most popular salad oh, at yeah. the Columbus Country yeah. Club is chopped iceberg lettuce, blue cheese dressing, uh, and anchovies tossed. I can't. Uh, <laughs> it's so. I don't understand. They call that the king salad. <laughs> they call yeah. that the king salad. This, anyway, this you're saying, up. I apologize. Number two yeah. is, you also said a phrase, like this, not that this is a relevant point in any any capacity, but like, this, like, I to, like sometimes people would insist on having a baked potato. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you that you would like walk into, like, we don't serve baked potatoes. No, you're going to bring me a motherfucking baked potato. Why? What's wrong with you? Like I mean, I know what the answer to that question is. It it, it goes to point number one. Point number one yeah, and two but, are related. But the weird thing about that is to be so insistent that you need must have a baked potato, 
but still willing to compromise. Like, that it doesn't highly compromise with baked the, potato. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be good in any capacity. Just really speed yeah. up those those water molecules until they, they start yeah. to move around a lot. Yeah. I'm good to go. Yeah. Turn it into some sort of weird paste that is almost inedible after about five minutes. Uh, yeah. It's like, so, do you want your uh, baked potato to be stale? Did you even know that was possible? Oh, you do? Good. <laughs> we have just the thing for you. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, um, yeah. No, you're right. Uh, and I worked with them long enough to to be able to confirm for the population of moneyed people in Columbus, Ohio, at least. Uh, it's universal, though. It's universal. <laughs> yeah. Money. Just... I guess I guess the real phrase that that would be used by the sort of the uh, the the like the old rich right would be like you know money doesn't buy taste I guess is the phrase that's right 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 yeah, yeah congratulations you could buy the you could buy a mansion but you're still gonna eat a weird ass yeah. microwave baked potato because you're a fucking weirdo and I suppose I suppose almost any rich person in Columbus is nouveau rich it has to be like, almost will, almost exclusively uh, yeah as far as like Whit Stillman's. Old, well, exactly, old right, right. Like, I mean, those, that, that group of people is very right. hyper, like uh, condensed but, but, in the very specific areas yeah. of the United States, right. and yeah. But even even the people who have been rich for generations and generations and generations, they're less likely to have taste, honestly. Yeah, but, I, I uh, know. I I joke. I don't. I actually believe that any of them have taste. I've never seen any demonstration of <laughs> right. any rich person having taste ever. Yeah. So anyway, have you ever actually tasted caviar? It's just salt. That's all it is. Before we get into the movie this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriteria. Over there for just a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to a bonus episode. It's always a non-criterion film. Uh, supporters get to vote on what that criteria, what that film is going to be. And, yeah, we have a lot of fun over there. Yeah. Uh, we watch a pretty wide variety of movies because of that. And of course, the Criterion Collection continually widening the type of movies we're watching anyway. Right, right. Because yeah. uh, as things go on, they get, they, they, it's just getting they wilder. They become more wilder. eclectic. Yes. I mean, I can't say it's gotten wilder than even like the first 20 no, movies really. because Armageddon is very early. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I, actually, you're watching I Solo would, and I Armageddon would, essentially back to back. I would, is, you could definitely argue that actually, it, yeah. it, as we get deeper into the part of it that sort of started after we started or close yeah. to it, it's actually getting less wilder and more like, why like more varied in sort of like the scope across the world and sort of cultures yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's actually not a, is a great thing as opposed to the patreon which is just whatever random stuff we decide to put in it right basically. right 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 yeah so um <laughs> yeah we've watched uh we've watched things like dog day afternoon things like Ernest goes to camp uh just you know um, different movies uh we've watched uh the 1984 movie, The River, which is terrible. Yeah, watched, absolutely awful. Uh, yeah. 
We've watched uh, Will Ferrell's Kicking and Screaming, which is terrible. We've watched uh, good movies over there, too. Like I already said, Ernest Goes to Camp. Uh, <laughs> didn't choose Dog and, Day uh, Afternoon, but okay, fine. Yeah, listen, Dog Day Afternoon is uh, obviously a better movie than Ernest Goes to Camp. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but I, I said what I said. Uh, <laughs> Stand by. Anyway, supporters get to vote. They can also suggest lists uh or or particular movies if they want us to watch a particular movie i'll put it on a list and then they can convince all the other all the other supporters to actually vote for it uh that's on them not me uh but uh we've had some spirited spirited uh conversations over there in the comment section and then there are other weeks where everybody just votes and doesn't say anything and i feel like i made a really terrible list whenever that well happens. and and to be fair but, sometimes when we get a user's away uh, a a uh, patreon suggestion we end up uh Sort of like tweaking the list so that it's really the obvious yeah, choice. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Gotta, gotta, com- gotta manufacture consent. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, um, that's all at a dollar. And and speaking of user submitted lists, uh, when supporters suggest a list, we do our best if timing works out to invite that person onto the episode. So you can also buy buy your way onto an episode yeah. for just a dollar. How how great is that? Uh, it's very, yeah. very cheap to get on an episode, is all I'm saying. <laughs> it's, Have an idea it's so and a dollar. Yes. Uh, and then we will we will uh, make you pay us to use your ideas. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, this is, we, are, we are truly the best of ca- that capitalism has ever produced. Well, huzzah. Uh, anyway, that's all at a dollar. A little above that at $5 uh, for, for folks who, uh, who want to help us out a little bit more, and we greatly appreciate that. Uh, we have three $5 supporters right now, and so grateful to them. We'd love to thank them on air. Chris Otto, Eric Coronado, and Stephen Goldmeyer. Yes, thank you. A little above that, we do something that is pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently, and I get that printed up on a postcard, write a little personalized note, and mail that off once a month. We also like to thank those people on air, so thank you so much to Jason Westhaver, Michael McGrath, Nina Bajnak, Patrick Yako, and Adam Speakerman, our current swath of $10 and above supporters. If you want to see those postcards without committing, or you are one of our $10 supporters and you want to buy an old postcard, you can head over to redbubble.com and uh, search for Lost in Criterion. Uh That's just the easiest way to do it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't really recommend the- anything else. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some other good stuff on Redbubble. There's also some really terrible there's stuff. There's also on mostly just every Criterion cover, just sort of like pasted yeah. onto a, a sticker. But whatever. Right, 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 right. Um, but yeah, uh, you can get uh, get the cards as postcards, as uh, foldable greeting cards, uh, many of them as stickers, some of them as buttons when the art has worked out, uh, a little wide variety of stuff. And, yeah, I'm just really happy that uh, the stuff we've been putting out there with your art on it has been connecting with people because um, we have sold some. And that's, that makes me that's very really happy. exciting. I mean, I, I basically created the Redbubble as just a repository for your art so that people could see it. Uh, but the fact that it's actually selling is... Uh, well, I've, I've wanted to do something like that for a while, partially just because I yeah. wanted to be able to be like, if somebody asked me what this thing I do is, to be able to point them and be like, here, you can go <laughs> right, buy one right, if right, you right. want Indeed, indeed. No one's ever asked uh, so me, you, but, you know, if they did. Well, someone should, uh, because it's great. <laughs> I'm just going to start dropping uh, hints around my office. I'm just going to buy a yeah. bunch and, like, start leaving. There you go. No, that will only get me in trouble. I will only get in trouble as a result of this action. Like, why are these weird postcards uh, everywhere? <laughs> why, is there, why is there a web address on the back? <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, uh, as I said, rebelable.com, search for Lost in Criterion. If you want to see or buy those postcards or head over to patreon.com slash lost in Criterion if you want to support us. Thank you so much to everyone who does, and thank you so much to everyone who listens. Pat, this week we are talking about the 1991 film Homicide. <laughs> we are talking about the 1991 Homicide. We're talking about the 1991 television series, Homicide, Life on the Streets. Uh, (laughs) No, we're not talking about Life on the Streets. We're talking about the movie Homicide, written and directed by David Mamet, uh, starring Joe Montana, just like the last David Mamet movie we watched. What uh, was the last David Mamet movie Also like the last David Mamet we watched. Uh, House of Games, about the the, the increasingly... bizarre level of cons being pulled on different people right. in House of Games. Also, that is the only David Mamet movie starring a woman uh in the in the lead role. And uh yeah, his gender politics aren't well great. so that, that which brings us to an interesting point. My alternative introduction for you was uh and I'm joined by a man who neither believes in women nor complete sentences was my other introduction uh so uh, so it was a toss-up because there are no women in this movie they don't exist yeah they're either dead or not meaningful (laughs) there are there are two women in this movie who have speaking roles okay speaking Uh, role does not define important speaking speaking just means you had them say something um actually i there are three. I'm, I'm misspeaking even. There's actually three. Yeah. But <laughs> if you think about it, say, but... two of them are no, completely four. offhand. Because there's, uh, there's Bing Rame's character's mom. Oh, right. Yes, that's and then true. There's, yes, you're right. There's, you're right. Uh, there's the... She's the, the closest we have to an actually important woman in yeah. this movie. Uh, there's the daughter-in-law of the woman who was murdered. There's the granddaughter five. of the woman who was murdered. The number is five. And that's, <laughs> there's that other... There's the cop. Uh, that other one. Is the oh, there, is a, there is the lady cop too. I there forgot about the, the housekeeper because she's because she's super unimportant. Right. There's, a uh, there's the housekeeper, and then there's also the woman who is who is actively involved that he goes on the mission. Right. With. And and only so, two of them really have any sort of right. meaningful impact right. on the plot uh, yeah. in any meaningful. So way. we're up we're up to we're up to six. But but no, it is good though that uh, background characters who have a couple of lines but no meaningful. He doesn't default to just making them white men. And that's good, right? So, I mean, I feel uh, like the bar is very. We're like ankle level here. We're listen, like kicking listen. the bar with our as we walk down the, the hallway in the dark. In the history of film, we are always kicking the bar. This is true. We You're making about a point presentation. There, so, uh, but the fact that that uh, that that lady cop did not need to be a lady cop. It could have just as easily been a a young man as it is a young woman. So, uh, you know. Um, I think that I think there might actually be. I think there's a lady detective too. Now that I think about it, because the, the person who brings the first there might be. I mean, all the, the all the cops are kind of fairly interchangeable yeah. in of themselves. <laughs> right, like, right. That's another problem, actually. But anyway, there are more women than we gave this movie credit to initially. Like, that I, is I mean, fair. I mean, in port, now that now that we've actually inventoried them. Yeah, now that we've uh, inventoried. <laughs> keep in mind, like our numbers here are not exactly balancing out. Uh, Right, 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 right. A group of people um, make up fifty percent of the population of the world, and we are we are able to count them on yeah. less than two hands. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but yeah, this is um, it's an interesting movie. So, House of Games is 
a movie it's I don't remember much, at all. At all. Well, it's very much okay. I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I just but don't remember. Not surprised. It. it is very much what I think of when I think of Mammoth, which is that sort of. And we talked about this with uh, the with Stillman movie uh, last week. We've talked about this certainly in talking about Aaron Sorkin. Uh, there's this way Mammoth characters talk that uh, is occasionally described as hyper realistic. Uh, that w- uh, which, which is, is not... which tells me a lot about the person who says the thing, not a thing about the <laughs> right? the, the actual right? reality. Yeah, uh, which is not yeah not a not a phrase I think uh, should apply to dialogue ever, because uh, it's, it's not. No one talks like this. Zero people. I talk mean, like the the, the, the hallmark of it is is the, the. Let's be very clear. The first, I do not. I basically could not comprehend any dialogue for the first twenty minutes of this movie. I had no yeah. idea what the fuck was happening because like everybody talks in these weird short half sentences. The best one is the one where I, where I pull the fuck uh, up a baked potato. Cause it's the only line I caught in the yeah. entire thing, but we have, uh, some bitch is going to go. Yeah. I feel it too. Piece of cake, either piece of cake or a slice of ice. If you notice that. Yeah. I've remarked that. Ain't that the truth? What the fuck do those sentences mean? Adam, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've remarked that. Ain't that the truth? Is not a fucking sentence. It doesn't. Mi- I'm sorry. I'm actually like f- like redlining here. I'm so over the yeah. top. But yeah, like, I'm noticing. Um, what the fuck? That doesn't make. I've remarked that is literally not a sentence. I've never heard it. I've never heard anybody. I- I've watched a lot of TV, Adam. Like a lot yeah. in my life. Yeah. Watch a lot of TV. Watch a lot of movies. I've remarked that. Literally doesn't mean anything. It just literally doesn't mean anything. It's a yeah. phrase without meaning. That entire exchange is just I can't why are they saying anything? It made me so upset I rewound it like five okay. times. And listen listen so to where, it. Where it is realistic is the fact that this is the sort of conversation where in real life no one would really be saying anything. Just sort of half half angered thoughts coming out. Yeah, but they don't uh, even sound like real half angry thoughts. No, they don't. They don't. Like I just um, had some, and they don't sound like right. that. <laughs> right. I I agree that it is uh, it is not realistic to the way I would use the term realistic. Uh, and you know, if we watch one of the bonus features where it's. Uh, Joe Montagna and Ricky Jay and a few other actors who are in this movie and other, uh, other uh, Mammoth films, um, they also point out that this is not this is not how people actually talk ever. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's it is a way of speaking that is easy to emulate in an affectation sort of way, right? Right. You, know, you can imagine you can imagine a generation of uh, white male college students, because they would definitely be white male. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure, for uh, sure, yeah. Emulating, emulating mammoth speak uh, in the same way that, you know, we can see people emulating Sorkin speak. Um, well, and that's, in, uh, but that's the thing, right? The, in the, a certain time in American the, politics. The problem least, that we but... run, yeah, I mean, we do see that all the time. But we still <laughs> yeah, see it. It shows yeah. up in movies, too. I mean. Right, right. Um, well, I mean, I mean, people in real no, life. No, no, I know, I know. But, but obviously, what I mean people, is like it, it, people it gets, emulating it that. It keeps in going film. because yeah. it also gets re, like, sort of re-filtered back through the media machine right, every right, so right, often right, to right. like re-up it. Uh, the thing about it, though, was interesting is that like 
if you've ever heard people try to do this, it's impossible because human brains also just don't function this way. So they always <laughs> right, eventually right. like get jammed up because it it just no you cannot work this way. Nobody can because nobody fires that fast all the time without getting tired. Yeah. I think I think the most realistic it ever gets is when uh the guy who's brought in for murdering his family, who's sitting in that holding cell in the background of the homicide, just in the cage in the homicide department uh, for like five days or something. Yeah. Uh, when he first gets there and he lunges for Jill Montana's character's gun, Bobby Gold's gun, uh, and Gold's response is essentially just to have this breakdown of, of what have I ever done for you, to you? What, have, what did I do to you? What did I do to you? Is like all he can stammer out. And that's where it's actually realistic because it's all just stammering. Half right, thoughts. the stammering, the actual delivery is good. <laughs> yeah, the, but the, when, the it, when it's actually is crazy a little bit, like <laughs> right. it's this also fair. It's this, also this fair. like, and maybe I could believe that that is a sentiment that you would get out of a cop. Like it kind of makes sense. This sort of like hyper narcissistic yeah. sort of like it's like, like it's not. It, it it the way he delivers it though, even then, like yeah, the delivery is fine. But even then, when I'm wa- listening to it, I'm like. Like what are what are you talking about? Like what right, what are right. what are you, Mister Cop, talking about? Like, because like your answer is one of two things. He's either going to try to he's either trying to shoot one of you, or himself. Right. Like, what did I ever do to you? Is not a is not a a res, not a response to it. Really, it, it, you know what I mean, like I don't know. It's a very weird response, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, right, like right. the real response is they would just shoot him. He'd be right. dead. Yeah. Like, I mean, we all know what the uh, actual answer to this is, but if they're not going to do that, like, what did I ever do to you a bunch of times? I don't You're a know, cop. Man. You already live in a world where it's like you against everybody else. Like, you already believe everybody's out to get you. So your automatic As response a- is going to be that you, like, oh, this guy was trying to kill us or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's very weird As- to be like, ah, yes. What did I ever, what did I ever do to you? Like, since he was a middle class white man from a uh, unspecified American city. Uh, he probably wouldn't have been killed. Well, he has but... a better survival rate, but especially yeah. in 1991. Uh, right, right, right. Nowadays, right. his survival rate is also dropping relatively quickly yeah. if he's like yeah. trying to touch a gun, basically. Yeah, but... uh, yeah. In the in the police department, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, they still beat the crap out of. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's true. Needlessly, after they've already uh, reestablished the situation, but but yeah. Um. Yeah, the police in this movie. Uh, obviously, it's a police procedural. Uh, well, you know, yeah. Our main character is a police officer. Um. I suppose in the second half, it becomes a different sort of procedural for a little bit. But uh, but our main characters are are police officers. Joe Montana, William H. Basie. They are police officers. Uh. Our other characters are largely a criminal class. Whether or not uh, whatever you think about what the the group of Jewish people is doing, they are also breaking the law um which is you know where we can talk about uh, how uh law is not morality uh but uh that's a that's maybe a different conversation well to have right we, now. we can have but, that conversation we can also uh, talk about where 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 when we start talking about that topic we get into to interesting territory with regards to you know yes somebody can be both right about some things and very very wrong about other things <laughs> right at right, the same right, time right right, right. uh yeah um, and that's, you know, that in saying that, that sort of summates where, uh, 
where my mind is going right now. This is a movie about racial identity, uh, particularly Jewish identity, but also Jewish identity in relation to um, other marginalized groups. Uh, but this movie is not really interested in showing those other marginalized groups as marginalized groups. Well, they're not right? really interested in showing those other marginalized groups as people, not particularly, no. <laughs> that's, I mean, they're, that's they're also almost, they're, there's only, this movie only presents a single group of people that are humanized, really. Right, um, right. Maybe, right. I guess two, if you count cops as their own separate class, which you probably should. Um, well, well, that, that's that's a problem, and it's, uh, as much as the... Uh, the identity conflict in this film is between cop and Jewish. Cop. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Between cop and Jewish, uh, at least for our main character. Um, you know, and it's just, <laughs> I gotta, it's gold is, it's one of those interesting things because gold identifies more with his ethnic, it is his conflict, and in the end, he identifies more with his ethnic group than his job, which is good. Uh, especially, <laughs> he should not. He should not be identifying with the right. Cops Although, the yeah, I mean, a, yes, yeah. Particularly as a member of a. Uh, but bear in mind, he's 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 he he is being brought into an a a manifestation of his of ethnicity that is inherently violent in and of itself. Like right, it, right, is right, also right. not a good manifestation of a feel of a specific ethnicity. Like, right. Now there's, I like I come and go on that too, and you, and you already. Why I why I started started talking about this is you already brought it up. I I, on the one hand, uh, this is a group of Zionists, uh, and they make particular reference to, uh, like the one the the sort of the elder of the group, uh, when they're talking about the gun says, oh, I gave that one to a kid in Hebron, a few years ago. And we're in 1991, so we're talking about handing off a machine gun to a uh, Zionist uh, Israeli settler, right? Who is absolutely using that gun I mean, to displace and dispossess uh, <laughs> Palestinians, which, which tells Hebron. you a lot about the politics of this movie in and of itself, right? right? Because keep in mind, I, I did some research because I got I got kind of like weird during the middle of this movie, and I was like, I wonder yeah. in 1999 what what exactly sort of because they're like raising money and trying to send guns to Israel, right? Because I think they're actively involved in now, right? Um, and here's the thing: I looked it up just for my own amusement. And in 1991, America had already sent 77 billion dollars to Israel. For yeah, defense. yeah. It's not like um, it's not like they were like. The, there's a funny thing about it because it's like okay, this is a bad thing to be involved in and also is a minor tiny drop in the bucket for an enormous military right, apparatus, right, right. right? That is operating. It's like, it's like, what? Now, like, why are you still sending guns to people right. who can buy guns for days? Like it doesn't, <laughs> no problem. Guns, no problem. Right, right. We got them. Good to go. Now, now on the flip side, the work they actually, we actually see them involved with is Nazi hunting. Yeah, and, and, and that's yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Yeah, fine, cool. <laughs> yeah. Blow up in as many Nazi buildings Very good. as you want. Now, mind Very you, good. there's other things to take into consideration there that I think are funny to talk about, uh, just because I, I have a few thoughts on the, this, yeah. the manifestation of that in this movie. Uh, but, yeah, of course, blow up as many Nazi headquarters yeah, yeah. as you want. Like, go for it. Like, good good work. Good on you. They yeah. shouldn't even exist in the fucking city in the first place. You find one, fucking blow it up. Yeah. Whatever. It's very good. Um, yes. 
absolutely on board with that. Now, I do not, I do not support you bailing guns to, <laughs> to Israel. That's to bad. Israel. That's like bad. we again, uh, we get into the people can be both right and wrong about things at the same time. Right, right, right. right, um, right. Yeah, but but so, I think the problem we run into though is that with Mammoth, what we are seeing here is they are equal. Those two things right. are of equal right. value in this universe, and that's a problem. Yeah. So Mamet wrote a book in 2006, a nonfiction book called The Wicked Son, Anti-Semitism, Self-Hatred, and the Jews. Now, I've not read the book, but I did read uh, the New York Review of Books uh, review of this book by uh, David Margalik, who uh, titles his article, Maybe I Am Chopped Liver. Uh, and he takes issue with the book because in it, uh, he, he says Mamet oversimplifies. He says, uh, to quote the paragraph, uh, that Israel represents so much of what he admires in contemporary Jewish life that he has become the lineal descendant of another Hollywood figure, Ben Hedge, should not blind him to its faults, not lead him to caricature its critics. Not all Jewish criticism of Israel is self-hatred, and not all Gentile criticism is anti-Semitic. Jews who sympathize with the Palestinians are not necessarily neurotic. Uh, few Jews consider Zionism criminal, and are there any who condone suicide bombing? And by the way, not all Israel crimes are imaginary. And he puts imaginary in quotes, as if he is quoting Mamet's book in that moment. Uh, I don't know that he's quoting Mamet's book, but the way he puts it in quotes suggests he is. Um, <clears throat> obviously, it's a review of books. Uh, so there's no citations <laughs> right, for any right. of those quotes, but I also have to assume that anything quoted is coming from the author or the work itself. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, Margalik's argument or, or his presentation of the book is that, um, Mamet is equating Zionism with true Judaism and that, uh, anyone who is not a supporter of Israel, uh, to the grave, uh, is a, uh, is self-hating or anti-Semitic. Um, and that's, that's bad. <laughs> that's yeah, no, bad. yeah, yeah. That's, I that's mean, what I'll say. And, and, um, and we, you know, for you and me, you know, given our age and stuff, like the, the, the concepts that like the ideas of like the position between Israel and Palestine, like, is a thing that w has become more and more to the front in our minds now, but it's a thing that's that people were definitely talking about in the 1990s right, too. Right, this right. is not a new thing to be taught. It's like it's not like oh well, all this brand new information was revealed about what's happening there, and like it just finally came to light. It's like no, no, like people it is well known, and 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 so when you choose that sort of hardline Zionist thing, you're you are choosing a very specific. Right way of viewing other people in the world the first intifada started in 87 right like this movie is coming out during it yeah. uh and that is a sustained uh series of uh of protests of uh boycotts of you know it's an international movement of support for palestinians so we're in a time where there is uh pushback uh as we record this uh desmond tutu has just died and desmond tutu uh, famously fought against apartheid in South Africa and famously uh, <laughs> equated the apartheid in South Africa with what was going on with the Israeli government in relation to 
Palestinians. Um, and he also got called anti-Semitic for doing eh, for right. for making that equation. Um, and it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not right. Um, so yeah, there is that aspect to an undercurrent of what's going on here in the movie. Uh, another thing that the New York Review of Books pulls up is in talking, he also mentions homicide uh, as sort of the other main work where Mamet is talking about Jewish identity. Um, and obviously the book came out in 2006. This movie came out in 1991. There's a, there's a big shift. Uh, Mamet had become increasingly uh, conservative over that decade and a half and has continued to become more and more conservative. Uh, so there's that aspect to it, too. He, I'm sure his opinions on things changed from 2006, from 1991 to 2006. Uh, but this movie is just, I, I think, just much more confused politically. Yeah, I think um, this movie, this movie and, is more, is, is, is clearly made by somebody to a certain extent who's, talking about the concept of wrestling with identity rather than sort of having figured right. out what right, their right identity right. is. Whereas whereas by two thousand six he's he's yeah. for better or worse. Got it he figured, has figured, figured out, it out where he stands yeah. on things. Right. Yeah, I mean this one's interesting because yeah, like it it it, it does paint man, it is got a, there's a lot of things going on in this movie right. about identity, right. right? Like this sort of like this idea that if you don't tow a very specific line within the within the sort of margins of your identity, you are you are, yeah. No, you are oh the freak, the frequently with uh, the frequency with which a Jewish person asks our main character, well, what are you then? Right. Yeah. There's this just this very uh, much serious equation of yeah. like these identity markers make you this thing, right, and if right, you do right. not meet those identity markers, you are. Are essentially nothing. Yeah. You're just a, a non-entity. You just right. don't exist. You're and, not important. And to have a movie where it's sort of ambiguous about that, uh, seemingly lead Mamet to answer those questions as, "Oh yeah, the the gatekeepers are right." Right. Is, no. uh, well, and I think it's and really you weird. You can see in this movie that uh, the Mamet is clearly headed in that direction, right? <laughs> right because right, right, right. Because the gatekeepers in this movie. While while we as an audience can look at them and be like, well, you know, it like it all sort of fucks up his life. It doesn't really come to a final conclusion. Mamet kind of does come to a conclusion in this movie, right? Like there was there was the the like the the good path and the bad path, right? And right, he chose right, the right, bad right. path. He should have chose the good path. He wouldn't be dead in an attic right. somewhere. He lying next he, to Big Rames if he if he were if he chose the good path, right? If and that's. Uh, Really, the problem is the facilitating in the movie, right? right. Because he does he doesn't choose a path. He he tries no, to, well, right, to exactly. walk a middle ground. Not choosing a path and, is what gets him right. in, in trouble in what, this movie. That's what gets yeah. him killed. Yeah. But, yeah uh, the other know thing, what the right path was, right? The other thing Margalic uh, brings up and and I think is an interesting take on homicide, uh, in as much as he talks about homicide. Uh, he points out that in his opinion a lot of the concerns Mamet seems to have in homicide are anachronistic, yeah. are a generation prior, are uh, out of date in 1991. Now, Margaret Lick goes on 
and he's writing in 2006, and this is, I think, is a very weird thing to say in 2006 as well. Marguerite goes on to say that he does not believe that organized anti-Semitism is a problem in the U.S. in oh, well, 2006, okay. and I think that's delusional on his it end. Is, it is, it uh, is. I would say, though, that the, this brings up a topic that I did want to talk about a little bit, which is when we get into the sort of mammoth manifestations of these ideas that he's talking about, those do feel out of date. In the sense that, like, by 2000, by even by 1991, I would say that, like, okay, how do, like, this is going to be a weird, if we go back to our Nazi compound, okay, now you and I have some direct experience with, with something that is a direct rebuttal to what I'm about to talk about, okay? And I, and yeah. I will acknowledge that. We just keep that in mind, okay? Good, because I'm going to talk about it. No, I know. Uh, I know. But what, I, what I'm going to say is that, like, when... Do, Organized anti-Semitism has not gone anywhere. It is absolutely right. 100% a thing that has existed throughout American history. It is a very important part of American history. It is one of the hallmarks of America as a country. Um, right. And that, and, and, and not just and ran- to be clear, that's bad. No, yeah, uh, yes, yes, so uh, yeah. we're making a moral judgment against that. Yes, I don't- I, what I'm saying is it is not yeah. nearly stochastic. It is actually organized, but uh, and it is very bad. Um, yeah, what you have. In Mamet's sort of mani- mental manifestation of it, though, is very much in line with with Illinois Nazis. It is yes. very much, which, by the way, real organization. Yes, Illinois Nazis, a hundred percent existed. Which is one of those things that you learn as you grow up after watching the yeah. Blues Brothers and thinking it's a joke <laughs> right, and being right, like, "Oh right. no, shit, these are real people." Um, yeah. Those are actors playing those real people, but nonetheless, that is a real thing. But the point yeah. is, is that there's a there's a sort of a line, and we we see it very often now. Um, but there's there's a sort of like cosplaying Nazis, and and there is the there is what like pro like what like and they, these groups are often the same thing, okay? Yeah. And then there and there's like the way anti-Semitism is actually like and and sort of anti may. Bigotry of this sort is expressed in many different for in many different groups is the sort of like modern new symbology that allows these groups to operate on a on a like an organized level without walking around wearing Nazi uniforms. Because yeah. if you walk around wearing Nazi uniforms, what you're actually trying to do is actually elicit attention. You're trying to grow right. attention and a certain kind of ire. Then there's all that dumb shit that we learn that you guys that you watch the news and you learn about where it's like all these little symbols that allow this sort of organization to take place. Yeah. So, um, and they're not Nazi uniforms. They're modern manifestations that allow these organizations to operate with some sort of like weird sort of probable deniability bullshit. When I was in college, and this would have been around 2006, uh, from, I was in college from, from fall of 2003 to spring of 2007. And frequently, in my college in the suburbs of Cleveland, I found white supremacist literature. Right. Uh, and none of it was overtly Nazi. And in fact, uh, I'm sure that the people who wrote it would have uh, would have been uh, angry if you accused them of being a Nazi. And how dare you? Because they had this plausible deniability within what they're writing. Uh, but I think particularly of the magazine American Renaissance, which was a... Uh, <laughs> Plain white paper, but fold out or folded, you know, fifteen to twenty page uh, newsletter um, that I found multiple copies of. It was right. apparently a monthly release, and it took a. It was very much like the one sheet that 
that gold finds um, in that it took a white Christian right, yeah, uh, yeah. stance on, on racial identity um, and tried to be scientific about it. Right. You know, and, and, and yeah, I mean that, that fits with like, which fits with yeah. like the, the sort of like upticks yeah. in, like eugenics programs right. that the American government has all right, oftentimes right, right, engaged right, right, with. Right, right. And, and it's sort of like this we're, well, we're scientific about this. This isn't racism. This is, or this isn't bigotry. This is science. Right. Right. Um, right. That, that science of that. Right. Yeah. And, and still today, and I've talked about this frequently on Twitter, uh, over the last few months, I have been in a sort of cold war with someone who is putting up pro-Nazi, pro-white supremacist, pro-Christian identity, uh, anti-black, anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic uh, stickers in my neighborhood, uh, and I have been tearing them down. And I do not, I do not believe that this is an organization doing this. I believe it is an individual here. I am not naive enough to believe that there is only one individual with these feelings in my neighborhood, but I have a. Uh, I have a lot of circumstantial evidence to uh, lead me to believe I know who is putting these up particularly. I know his name. I know where he lives. Uh, and this is another fellow who frequently can be seen on the streets of my neighborhood holding signs denying the Holocaust, holding signs right. insisting that, uh, say, Jesus was not a Jew— uh, is a thing that uh, is very common in this Christian identity stuff uh, because that belief is that the biblical Hebrews are not the modern-day Jews and that the biblical Hebrews actually either died off or became the ancestors of Anglo-Saxons is what Christian identity argues. Uh, and that's all anti-Semitic garbage. Right. Uh, <clears throat> but this guy also... Every so often, he'll get some pushback. He'll get he'll get local communists or local Jewish anti-fascist groups uh, who put up stickers around his house, calling him particularly a Nazi. And he always takes issue with it. And he makes he he makes videos he puts online. Like, how dare you call me a Nazi? There is a video in which he literally says, "These Jews are always trying to paint me as a Nazi." Right. Well, exactly. And That's, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's just uh, such a succinct. This is what's wrong with you. Uh, you are a Nazi. That's you know you've got all the harmonics of Nazism, uh, and yet you're taking issue with actually being called a Nazi. Well, so so the real problem in the movie is that those anti-Semitic forces uh, are because it's a movie and it has to drive that home. We don't get to see the insidiousness of it. Right, right. You get like right. you get like what you get is you get you get the Third Reich, not like the Brown. You know what I mean? Like you get like <laughs> right, you right, all right. the and you run into this all the time, even in sort of modern sort of dialectics on this topic and stuff, where it's like where they'll be like, well, they're not like there's a process that that the world that things undergo. You don't end up at the Third Reich without all the steps that lead to it. You don't like, you know what I mean. You don't end up with yeah. with Hitler running Germany without like dudes in back, you know, dudes planning shit and using a bunch of weird symbols right. that have probable deniability, and then all this like, who mean what a, like yeah. isms that allow them to escape 
and, and fly under a radar of a society that is willing no, to accept their behavior, mind you. Is I will say the actual, the actual flyer they use, I wouldn't be surprised as a, if it is a real flyer. Well, um, see, here's a, okay, but here's where we get into a problem, and this is why I kind of brought it up because it's kind of, it made me like go, oh, this movie uh, to not, myself is. I don't, there's two flyers. I don't mean, I don't mean the red flyer. I right, mean right. The well, one that's sheet. where I wanted to bring up. Now, the because, red flyer, I could actually, I, I could see. Right, but know, the I, problem, uh, the problem I have with it is that's probably real too. But the, the problem uh, is that red flyer is a real flyer from is actual Nazi propaganda. Photocopy, right, 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 which is right, right, right. which is where you get into kind of which ridiculousness, is, right? It's like yeah. people which is are where, still making new things; they're not right. just like photocopying things from 1938. You know, what yeah, I mean? that's nonsense. Where, like they where might Margaret be t- for fun, yeah. But. Where Margaret Lick talks about his him being out of time, right? In, and that, in that that was my problem with it. It's like the flyer like, that they have, the white paper flyer that they have, is 100 percent totally realistic. Yeah, and. And the red flyer is in its own sort of way, but it's not the sort of thing you're just passing around the street because it specifically will get everybody's backs up that you hand it out to, unless your goal is to just piss off people around you, which right, maybe right, sometimes right. it is, right? That's when sometimes they bring out the Nazi the uniform. Right. Absolutely. But right. in general, like if you're trying to like kind of like create this sort of like confusion about what is or is not anti-semitism what is or is not bigotry in society you don't do it with these like with german like nazi 1936 nazi propaganda posters that's just not how you do that that's not what they do that's not what people do like that because that doesn't work that just because your audience the audience that you're unless your goal is to piss off just general public john q public which will do a great job of if you're trying to create that sort of confusion and that sort of like uncertainty around the topic, that won't do that. That's just going to, everybody's going to look at that and say, well, that's a Nazi propaganda poster. That's what that is. I know what that is. Right, right. Like and it, that piece it of reads paper. Like it. it reads exactly that, like it. That piece of paper he finds on which someone has scrawled Crossack or whatever. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and then the Grossoff. Oh, right. And yeah, then yeah. the. Yeah, I forget. Yeah. In any case, Grofoss. That's what it is. Yeah. Which the, is a joke, by the way. <laughs> it was originally a joke, right? It right. was, and that's what I mean to say. You know, he goes to this, uh, he goes to the Jewish library and they explain, well, this was a name for Hitler. Well, no one, uh, the only people who ever used that as a name of Hitler, well, it was we're derogatory. Either, yeah, we're, we're Soviets, <laughs> but, or yeah, possibly <laughs> people in Germany who are like, a little bit sick of it. Hard to say, but right, yeah, it right. has I mean, a dubious lineage, but it's certainly not a pro-Hitler right, right, term. Right. Yeah, calling him the greatest field marshal of all time, uh, which uh, you know they uh, only came into use, seemingly, historically, from the research I did, and you seem to have done the same yeah. research, uh, after, uh, after... Yeah, after the uh, failure to take over Stalingrad, yeah. Right, like, right, yes. right, after the failure at Stalingrad. The Soviets started calling him that uh, as, uh, as a derogatory joke. So what it really boils down to, uh, I think my biggest problem with the movie, is that it exists in this racial makeup where... Animosity only exists in power structures through personal animus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, hurling of slurs and heated arguments, right? Where uh, anti-Semitism is organized, but anti-black racism has been overcome and is only 
individual well, it's, it's or, actually, or they deserve it. I right? would I would argue, yeah, it's worse than that. I would argue yeah. that Mamet in this movie, whether intentional or not, makes a clear, distinct argument that that black people represent an actual criminal class. They like like he is like if you look at the the scope of all black people in this movie right it is a picture he paints a picture of an actual like i don't know how to exactly phrase this but it's like no born criminals yeah like the kids are the ones who the kids are the the ones who do it ving rames is our only other like you know we have ving rames and ving rames mother yeah, who is either abetting a criminal or and then and then turns on her own child, which is like, right, just right. backs up the whole like, the whole argument of about you know of of ethnicity yeah. and like loyalty to your people and stuff. So even you can, they can't you know this group of people can't even trust their own mothers, right? Even their mothers are, got, are not loyal to them. It's it's fucked up. Like this movie paints a very fucked up picture. We've got black people in political power who are uh, the first ones to use anti-Semitic slurs. Right. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And who are only uh, and who are in no way really concerned about like about their ethnicity. They're only worried about how it appears in a in the political structure and so have no have no ethnic loyalty in and of themselves in this movie, but rather are just loyal to maintain their own power position. Right. Like, I mean, when we, it's very hard to follow because, mind you, the dialogue is fuck nuts right. in that and first 20 about, minutes of the movie. But think about how the movie, uh, how the, how the characters, how the police position the unseen, unnamed, uh, black, uh, civil leaders who are on the mayor's ass about solving this, uh, the problem with Ving Rhames' character, you know, the murders around that, uh, versus how they talk about and how they handle down the line uh, the concern about this, uh, the Jewish citizens coming to uh, the mayor and utilizing their power to get interest in this woman's murder, right? Uh, one is a sit-down meeting with the entire homicide department about how this needs done and who's got what information, and the other is... Oh, give it to our only Jewish detective and complain about how they're breathing down our necks, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not. Anti-Semitism in this film is presented as systemic, as structural, and as constant, uh, whereas uh, anti-black racism seems to have been solved in this universe. Right, and, and, and uh, really, I think what we're, and this is where, if you take the readings far enough, this is where you kind of end up and it's real gross, Yeah, is I think what we are supposed to understand, at least subconsciously, the sort of meta-text is painting Zion, the Zionist movement as, as the black community as being an antithesis to this organized Zionist community. Yeah. They, they like, this represents the way you know, ethnic loyalty and all this stuff is supposed to function and work. And then over here you have this other group of people that I would argue, at least in this movie, Babbitt has a very dim view of. Yeah. This sort of unorganized ethnicity that has no no central organizing principle, no they're not they're not bombing any Nazi uh Right. And you know, what do we know what do we know about what's going on there? 
We get Ving Rhames accused of being a drug dealer. Uh, we get uh, seemingly people in his organization, whatever that organization might be, who are murdered in their apartment while sleeping right. uh, at the beginning. Right. And then, and then, you know, the, the, the mayoral meeting where, uh, since we got, we got people yelling, like, uh, uh, talking about black Panthers. It's like, you know, that's because you just pulled a Fred Hampton on some guy. Right. So like, uh, what are you, what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, someone we know nothing about, uh, as you all dressed as ninjas without any identification except for one guy, uh, and just really just a house blasting the, the just yeah. just blasting the shit out of places with that. But here's the thing: is I don't think the Mammoth is painting that as police overreaction or police like no, brutality. No, Mammoth no, is painting never as, this is this is effective policing against. It. Look at the way. Okay, all you really the, need to know to understand how this. This entire setup is set up, in my opinion, is the way the last scene with Ving Rhames' character works. He's yeah. just blasting bullets out of that window. He's a he's a murderer let loose. He's a wild killer. Yeah. Just shooting like like thousands of bullets out that window. Yeah. Is that a realistic depiction of anything that has ever happened on the face of this planet? Not really. No, certainly not 1991. Certainly not. Like, it's all this sort of, it, it, it paints a picture where he deserves what he gets, period. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, the only the only point this movie comes close to uh, critiquing police is that we get that one uh, acidic researcher at the library who gives gold the weird look his, um, I'm a police officer. Uh, my gun's making you uncomfortable. And he says, no, it's not your gun that's making you uncomfortable. It's your badge. But then he goes on to explain this esoteric understanding of the badge as a five-pointed star. Yeah. Uh, instead of as a symbol of actual fascism. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, a thing that you, you know. should be afraid of, for right. real. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird because, like, the movie, the movie if you read the movie right, not on purpose, is a very much a, like, very much goes to show you very much a cab kind of sort of, you know, yeah. it's like, I mean, there's, n- cops are just fucking doing wild-ass terrible shit throughout this movie. Right. But this movie is not telling you that those are bad things. Yeah. Except for the anti-Semitism. Right, except for the anti-Semitism, which is, which is, I don't know, it's not a- it's, Which is it's, bad. It is bad. And it's absolutely. another reason police are bad. Yeah, it's on the but, it's on a long list. Absolutely. Yeah. But my but the thing is is it's not it's not the it's not what we I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. It is a thing that they are doing in this movie that is bad, but is not a, like an identifying mark of police in this movie as much as it is it is just sort of an identifying right. mark of all people who are not right. Zionists because anti Semitic anti Semitic. And that's the other the the flip side is that because of the way the movie ends and that it really was just a random murder and there was no conspiracy to get this rich Jewish woman killed in her shop um, or revenge killing for whatever she might have been doing underground. Um, ultimately, even the anti-Semitism is within the realm of this movie just personal. Yeah, is it absolutely? Yeah, 
And I mean, I, I will say that the movie goes out of he does go out of his way to show many, many, many people being anti Semitic. So Right. Which helps to point to a systemic problem, right? Like I mean that if, is if everybody's that, just walking around using ethnic slurs all the time, that's a that's a that's a yeah. that's not just personal animosity at that point. You've gotten into even right, if you accidentally right. painted it, you've created a systemic problem. Right, right. As accidentally making a movie that is so full of microaggressions and macroaggressions yeah. that uh that you prove a point you may or may not actually believe. But <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. There's just the way and it's a movie about racial identity, right? So the way racial identity is talked about is part and parcel to the film and we can't not talk about it and it's not great uh no it's, it's and it's actually not great for any it, they're bad for different reasons but it's not great for any group the movie decides to talk about right right it's it talks about jewish identity in a really fucked up way that is yeah. very problematic but it also it also essentially paints a picture where like you know Black racial identity is is non valid. It's not a, it's not a valid thing to to have right. or anything like that. And like, also like, I mean, I don't know. I haven't lived in America in a long time, but I swear to God, I don't think I ever heard the K word my entire life. I I know it has to. People have to use it, but I've never. I don't think. I think I heard one time in high school from. I bet you can a million dollars you could guess who said it. <laughs> Um, and that was the only time I think I've ever heard the word used my entire life in my entire life. I heard the N word all the goddamn time. Yeah, as a young yeah. man, like not in my own house, thank God. But growing up, I heard it a lot, and not that not to say like again, not to say it doesn't happen. It just it felt weird in this movie because it's like wow, I'm hearing this word a lot that I've never right really heard this. It's like and is this a problem yeah. that I've, I I feel. I personally feel disconnected from that just because it's like, well, maybe maybe this is a thing that happens a lot, and I just don't understand. I don't. I have not experienced it personally, obviously. And that's one thing Margalick gets into in the in the review of the Wicked Son is that 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 sort of overt anti-Semitism is not a thing. Now he he seems to position an argument where the covert anti-Semitism is also not. Well, that's problematic, right? Like, and now uh, I would believe that, and I I would believe in an uptick, particularly. Ahead, I think it's particularly problematic reading that in two, 2021. Absolutely, but even absolutely, writing totally. it in 2006 seems is, wrong is problematic. And I w- yeah. and but I would say that. And now, mind you, there may have been a, a serious. I think there's probably been a serious uptick in overt anti-Semitism in yeah. America, probably in the last ten years or whatever. Uh, I I think overt bigotry in general seems to be on a on a general like overt right. Like this is a thing that has existed yeah. as sort of constant underlying thing in america forever right but yeah. like this is i imagine you're more likely to hear that to hear that word now than i was when i was you know right. when this movie came out right when i was you know you know we you know we were not very old when this movie came out but like you know growing up well 10, you know 12 13 years old i again i don't know i will i will say that uh Given how I spend my time, yes, uh, tearing down Nazi stickers in my right. neighborhood, uh, I I want to 
I want to guarantee that no one thinks that I am somehow using the word Nazi or fascist in a uh, a, an exaggerated manner. All right. When I say Nazi stickers, I mean Nazi stickers. I mean a sticker that says love, not hate, but the O in love is a swastika and the A in hate is a six pointed star that. (laughs) <laughs> these are right well and we've talked about how confusing that that is <laughs> yeah. if you try to read but it's <laughs> right it is overtly pro-nazi yeah propaganda. obviously yes absolutely right uh so um in in trying to source where that sticker might have come from uh not not in the hopes that i firebomb a hobby store uh, because I found the print shop in the back, but but in hoping in hoping that uh, if I could, because people rarely rarely print their own things now, and I thought if I could find where this came from, and figure out who they're buying the work through, I could maybe contact those people and have the have it shut down, right? Right. Um. But anyway, I bring this up to say. I cannot remember a time I have ever heard uh, someone use the K word as an insult, but I will say that the way people say the word Jew. Yes, you're absolutely, you're is, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yes. That. Yeah. Yeah. I'm specific. I was specifically just talking about this word because the, watching this movie felt like what? What's happening? It it almost felt like the same dialogue ticks that he like twitches that, that that Mammoth seems to have in his dialogue writing. That felt like part of it. I was like, yeah, is this is this real? Like, is this how people talk to anybody? I don't. Right. You're you're a hundred percent right though. Absolutely. Yeah. I just think if this movie were interested in exploring organized anti-Semitism, uh, we would have investigated the forces behind that hobby shop print shop and discovered that there were members of the police. Right. 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 Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that well, would have been realistic. But, but I think that probably would have gone counter to the way that then or now Mamet sees how the world sort right. of functions. The police are anti-Semitic in that they sort of ignore the plight of the Jewish people, not in that right. they are like, and a force that organized like in an organized way hates them. I don't, at least in this movie. Yeah. But then uh, <sighs> the flip side of that is of course that the Jewish people in this movie are, uh, you know, they're, they're paranoid until, uh, it's true. And then once it's true, it's like, well, what a coincidence that we were paranoid about this thing that happened. Uh, where, <laughs> you know, that's, that's how it gets, covered by the police right um that that anti-semitism is not organized uh until it is and then uh well it's just coincidence that, that this happened uh and that is uh, you know not believing the victims of that is right anti-semitism yeah. too yeah, that's true uh but the fact that the group is wrong <laughs> it's also a problem yeah in the movie yeah that it, yeah. that that the old one was not killed for explicitly anti-Semitic purposes. Uh, well, I mean, it's a weird sort of tangential was... offshoot of anti-Semitism, right? Like they right, believe right. she's hoarding wealth, and which is a right. which is a stereotype in and of itself, and perpetuated within that community. But then again, that's not the police. That's right. It, it paints a sort of like and, inner ethnic ethnic. And there is 
disharmony. There is some some hints, and it's hard to say exactly that uh, the kids just view her as a rich old white woman, not as right. I mean, that's the, yeah, not right. as the Jewish woman hoarding wealth. Um, so so there's that aspect too. But obviously, the kids committed the murder and never actually made it into the basement. So like. Uh, you know, there's that aspect too. Um, I just the police just responded too fast, I guess, or the dog scared them off. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, I'm going with the dog uh, because I don't I don't believe in any yeah. statement that the police responded too fast. That's <laughs> right, that's, right, particularly to that neighborhood. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah, and just the fact that that it was the kids is its own, and then we we never, you know, I don't want Mamet. I don't want Mamet to make a movie about what happens to those kids. No, uh, but no, me it's neither. not going to be I mean, good. Getting back to the group itself, um, it's interesting to me that the 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 two crimes, the crime we see them commit, and the crime they want Gold to commit, um, are both fine, right? <laughs> like, they, well, right, right. I mean, they, yeah, they firebomb the Nazis. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, hide out. Although I will say, like, my flip my flip side of firebombing the Nazis, and I'm being stupid here, but nonetheless, is that like that is a building where there are probably right, right. multiple there's, tenants. There's, right. There's chances of collateral damage. There's there. a lot. I mean, there might be like, some yes, but you, you know, the movie does not explore that. Let's assume and, that and they checked such. out the building. The rest of the building's yeah. abandoned. I guess. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like, it uh, seems like a crime without any. Right, any, right, nobody's right. getting nobody nobody worth worrying about is getting hurt here but yeah uh and the other thing they want they want him to destroy that original copy that he has put into evidence of the list of names of members of this group right right and and they are right to believe that in the right hands that list becomes a threat to them and right. others uh and that it being in police possession is going to have it end up in the wrong hands. Uh, right. But we don't I, explore that aspect of it. Right. Like, no, we don't. And and, like, and it really, no, you and need, they just come you up. You need. Go ahead. Yeah. They just tell him he needs to destroy it uh, because, it, or they need it destroyed. Uh, they need the original so they can destroy it. And he says, no, I put it into evidence. And there is no expounding on the idea that it is not safe. In right. evidence, well, because again, I don't think Mammon is willing to explore an idea of of blanket condemnation of the nature of police. Right, he's just not right. willing to do it, and that's what that is. But right? he's not like, even. You... But he's not even willing to get into. I'm not. This doesn't even need to be an all cops are bad thing. This needs to be a acknowledgement that a large chunk of American police are involved but with white supremacist that's organizations. That's the same thing. That's the problem. Is like you remember the the few bad apples thing goes contrary to what everybody uses it as. Right. Uses right. It as. Of course. Of it, course. Like exploring the idea that there might be a single white supremacist in. That police department opens up a can of worm that somebody who has extremely conservative leanings in a lot of ways, it can't, can't, that's a depth right. you can't plumb without going into dangers. People avoid concepts that make them uncomfortable to think about, like inherently, right? So, like, Mamet can't go there because as soon as he goes there and starts even talking about a little bit textually in the movie, that brings him 
to the point where he has to ask himself very uncomfortable questions, right? Right. Which is why it being subtext that there are there might be some white supremacists in the police department is it's subtext. It's well, I don't have to explore that that hard. But as soon as I start saying it, now I've got to explore it. Who right. is it? And Do then, you know some anti-Semites well, in your in your police department? Have you done anything about them? What's the yeah. you know where that where that gets touchy? And that's you know one of my main problems with this movie is that uh, it does flail quite a bit. Yeah, because where that one where place that gets touchy is we see cops being racist. Yeah, but uh, this movie then defines a separation between. Uh, people who use racial slurs in anger uh, and people who uh, <laughs> who pass out Nazi propaganda right. right, and run a print shop. Well, and I think room. that, and that's, we uh, talked about how having a, a vast array of micro and macro aggressions paints a picture of a systemic problem. Right. Let's right. be clear here. That's our reading of this movie. I don't think that's David's right. reading of this movie. But then At the on time the flip, he's writing it. But then on the flip side, if that is, if that is or is close to what Mamet, if Mamet literally is trying to say these police officers aren't organized white supremacists, they just have this racial animosity within them, and will use it to their advantage in an argument. Uh when Gold talks about uh, his experience of anti-Semitism within the police department, is Mamet saying he is just being paranoid? I mean, I given maybe, the end of the movie, maybe is he painting all of this as paranoia? Well, That's weird I, too. I mean, but That's... It, it might be, but it might not be because, like, they despite us talking about David Mamet being very much in the sort of like getting more conservative and, and more around that. Like most of the line he seems to be towing right now fits fairly well into sort of the neoliberal kind of world construct, right? Animosity is individual, not systemic. Right. Like that, like racial tensions like this are the result of individual aggression rather than systemic aggression. So like, Gold in that situation, Gold's anti-Semitism that he experienced is a is a manifestation of personal racial right. grievance rather than systemic racial problems. You know what I mean? Like, right? Even I, even though even though his experience is personal personal racial animus from everyone except his partner, right? And maybe even his partner, right? Right? Yeah, I mean, but I but I feel like we're st- I do feel like we're towing that line here i feel i feel like that's the line we're trying to tow here um because yeah i mean it's just it's really hard i it's hard to because again again we can get into the to the way that this movie treats black people and then that's a whole nother like right 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 that that fits in that that fits into this argument it's a puzzle piece that's hard to figure out but it definitely fits into this argument um it's it's i don't know Boy, howdy, is it hard to plumb the depths of Dave Mamet's thinking on this movie. Like, it's yeah. real hard. Um, and so it's like, well, it does seem like he wants it all to be paranoia, right? It's all paranoia and personal animosity all the way down. There is no... Because keep in mind that, like, 
we also don't see that white supremacist Nazi encampment like actively engaged in any activities. They right, have we a see flyer. Evi- we see evidence of it, but we never see. We see a bunch of printed of materials. We don't even and a meet flyer. any of them. We never meet any of them. We don't know if this is just one, one dude, or thirty dudes. You know what I mean? We don't know anything, right? right? I mean. And that that's kind of problematic too for the sort of like if we want to get into this being a systemic organized problem, we don't actually meet, we actually don't encounter anything but personal and like personal racial like grievance, right? In the movie, like we just at least towards at least in the form of anti-Semitism. And I think that's really where where we get to the heart of our problem with this movie is that that's. That is a almost, not quite, but almost useless way to talk about racism. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, this movie feels exactly like 1991. This <laughs> yeah. movie is 100% super <laughs> right, duper right. 1991. I, I, you can just feel it. It oozes out of every sort of thought process of this film. That's, that's the way, you, I'm sure that's the way you were taught about race. It's the way I was yeah. in right. school and every other capacity is like, this is a personal, and it's still the way it's widely regarded in the United States to this day. But it's, it's well, this is this is a personal problem that this person has, and they can be educated to not have that problem anymore, or I guess blow up their print shop. I don't know, but like, I feel like that's probably the most radical element of this movie in terms of like that's the furthest you get away from that sort of that that solid neoliberal line towing right there. Yeah. Is that like yeah. that? That's the thing that happens, and it's not necessarily painted as being bad. Like I feel like a different movie would have had you like. Well, we will have to. We'll have to have a talk with this person. We'll have to get him thrown in jail so we can have a heart to heart with him and like put him on the right path. It's definitely that feels more nineteen ninety one. That's that's really that feels like the only outlier in this movie to me, honestly. But uh, another disappointment I had this movie was that I would really, really given given that it has like a Chekhov's gun setup. I would really have loved for the guy who killed his family to have actually explained the problem of evil to yeah, <laughs> yeah at some yeah, point. I mean, um, I don't need him to be right or to have any special insight to what else is going on in Montana's life, yeah. but I do want to hear what he has to say. Uh, he won't be right because uh, <laughs> we got 3,000 years of that. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, I suppose but, I suppose he might. I mean, I kind of assume that where man was going with that was kind of like the whatever he thought that hypothesis of the movie was. You know what I mean? The, and I but because I'm very unclear what the hypothesis of the movie is, I. Well, wait, does that mean the hypothesis of the movie is that uh Anyone who attempts to understand the nature of evil is obviously insane. Um, is I that... was, yeah, well, I was thinking like that may have been one of those things where, like, what, like, I'm going to show you the nature of evil, and then gold experiences the nature of evil, which is a lack of ethnic identity and awareness. Well, this I don't is know. this is a guy who, uh, murder his family out of a uh, desire to protect them uh, from some unseen thing, right? He is pointed, uh, he is is obviously subtextually painted as 
paranoid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, of at course, the very right, least. Right. But like, right. I, I'm saying, if we take him literally, and then Gold does learn the nature of evil, then I guess let Gold has learned as that it's a bad idea to mix ethnicities and races. I guess, yeah. Hey, maybe that was the paranoid delusion that guy was suffering from. Maybe that's why he I killed mean, his family. Listen, that does that happens. That's a thing that, that people are worried about, apparently. And that does that does swing back to sort of uh, underline what the movie has to say about the woman still running the shop in the black neighborhood now. Yeah, uh, I mean, I. I mean, what I what I'm saying though in my in my in my sort of thought process is that like just, Mammoth's no, got it as a I, line in there okay. as a setup for now Gold is going to experience. It's sort of a, a weird let's, sort of pseudo Greek chorus type of like now you're going to learn say, what's your you know it's the witches yeah. or something like that. Right. Let's let's say from from what you just said, I think there is actually a uh, a theme in this movie that everyone is united against. Jewish people, um, right? That I guess, yeah, I guess that as a theme, yeah. <clears throat> that while it is not necessarily systemic, uh, in the way we talk about systemic, but right. that that anti-Jewish thought is so widespread, anti-Jewish actions are so widespread um, that uh, that everyone contains it, uh, and that you can't trust anyone outside of your Jewish identity. Um, Right. I, yeah, I guess know. that's closer to what the theme of the movie would be. I would also say that that, and therefore, the only the only reasonable response is an organized sort of uh, organized sort of united front Zionism, yeah. right? Is the right, only right, way right, to fight right. back on that, right? Um, and again, I think the the organi- the aspect where that is organized Nazi hunters, that's great. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, yeah, it's. It is unfortunate that it seems that in this particular moment in 1991, this is a mammoth who is struggling with ideas of racial identity. And uh, I have to believe that because he made this movie, right? Right, yeah. Um, And that by the time he writes a book in 2006, he has chosen the wrong path as far as I am concerned. But I would argue Uh, is the path he is on in this movie. Like, yeah, he's struggling with it, but like... I, if we take that as the hypothesis of the movie, I do honestly believe that the final thought of the movie is, and the only way to resist it is organized, right? Uh, an organized, like Jewish movement. Yeah, that, I that do... violently opposes those that would attack the Jewish people. Um, which again, no problem if it's blowing up Nazis. Well, Nazi yeah. buildings. I mean, probably not right, right. Right, they're not actually murdering any Nazis. They don't blow, they're not uh, blowing up any Nazis in this movie. Yeah, um, but yeah, I uh, I think one more thing from the bonus feature. Um, I guess two more things because one, there's a gag reel, and that's I I didn't end up watching the gag reel. I was frightened by it and decided to avoid it. I have to. I am reminded that there was a gag reel on the arm. We didn't watch it, but there was one on Armageddon. Every so often. There's like four instances of a gag reel in Criterion bonus features that I can find. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it's always di- 
such a disconnect. <laughs> well, I mean, but like, but I really feel in, in this in movie, Armageddon, it's I can deal with it because Armageddon is yeah. is fundamentally silly <laughs> at its core. Right, 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 right. right this right. movie is yeah. not silly. Yeah, um, but I bring up the I bring up the bonus features again to bring up. There's something Ricky Jay says in in his part of the interview, uh, talking about when he speaks Hebrew on screen. Uh, particularly the diner scene where he's, uh, you know, presenting the blackmail stuff and talks to talks to underlings there in Hebrew while he's talking to Gold and the woman in English. Uh, this movie premiered at is an Israeli uh, festival, and Jay says that he really struggled with the Hebrew because he had not spoken Hebrew since his bar mitzvah. Right. Uh, and uh, and he talked to Mamet after after they came. He didn't go to the premiere, that Israeli festival premiere. Um, but he talked to Mamet after it came back, and he said, "Well, what did? Because uh, he was really self conscious about about his Hebrew. Uh, what did? Uh, how did people react to to my lines in Hebrew? And he said, uh, "Oh yeah, they loved him. They loved him. Everybody." Uh, Eric had asking, uh, what language is he speaking? Uh, and it's a really, it's a fun little joke, uh, but because his Hebrew was so bad. Uh, but then uh, to have that meta joke around a movie that uh, paints a man as non-Jewish, as nothing, for not being able to read Hebrew or understand Yiddish. Uh, Because obviously that is not... There are are Jewish people who Mamet presumably respects who can't speak Hebrew, right? Right, right. Because Ricky in multiple movies. Right. Um, And I don't know. I don't know if Ricky Jay Well, I I assume that was a... um, um, Some sort of personal insecurity or, or thought process of Mamet's manifesting in the movie him thinking yeah. about a thing that he thinks about in his private time. You know what I mean? As, as like he, he, you know, we don't know. I don't know. Anything. I don't know anything about David Mamet. I know basically all the things I want to know about David Mamet. Don't really want to know a lot more, but I can see how that would happen. Right. Like where you're like, you're not necessarily, he's not necessarily trying to, to give him the sort of benefit of the doubt, not trying to necessarily comment on other people, but on himself in some capacity. I mean, presumably, yeah. I don't know. He probably doesn't use Hebrew all the time, right? On a day to day basis, maybe he does. Who knows? But you know what I mean. Like it, I, I, yeah. I mean, you're right. But I also would say probably that 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 feels like the kind of thing that ends up in a movie because you are thinking about it about in some capacity about yourself, not about other people. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is interesting to see a movie where someone is sort of coming to terms where they're arguing within themselves while they made it right about what they want to see. And we talked about this with, you know, some of the, uh, with the last two, uh, 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 Godard films. Yeah. Um, you know, which were less interesting to us because they're <laughs> Godard isn't just right. struggling ideologically. He's also struggling with what it means to make art. Mamet knows what it means to make art. <laughs> Well, yeah, um, he's just struggling. Yeah, I mean, Mamet knows what Mamet yeah. thinks is is what makes <laughs> right, it. Right, yeah. right, right, right. 
right um he's he's come to concrete decisions about what it means to make art i'll put it that way uh but but yeah you know it's just and then running across as uh Stuart Clawin's essay makes reference to uh, uh, Mamet's hardline views on Israel, and that got me interested, and that's why I went and found out that he wrote this book and read the review by Margulik on it, and yeah, uh, it seems that uh, Mamet and I definitely have fundamental different views, but right. also, I'm not Jewish. So uh, right. there's that aspect. Well, too. We, and we talked uh, about this a little bit before we started recording, which is like yeah. it also like our opinion on the topic. Many of the topics in this movie are fundamentally irrelevant. Like they just. Right, right, are. right, 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 right. Yeah. As they are on many of the topics we talk about. <laughs> well, that's that's true. Um, yeah. You know, we have. We have talked so much about things that we are not prepared to talk about because yes, absolutely because of the nature of our project. And I hope that our listeners understand that we're idiots. Uh, absolutely. And that uh, us being idiots uh, should not be taken as an excuse for anything definitely egregious we have said ever. Uh, still call us out on it. Uh, yes. But, uh, but we are idiots. Uh, so, uh, here's just the thing. Always be learning. That's, uh, there's a, yeah. there's a, there's a, um, a, a mammoth, uh, paraphrase for you. Um, ABL. Uh, I don't need you to close. I need you to learn. Um, but yeah, and that's, you know, what I'm trying to do. Uh, and just with my current knowledge base this movie does not say good things uh as far as uh talking about racial identity period um but even that you know as a midwestern middle class white guy uh the most important thing i can do with my racial identity is reject it because uh, <laughs> because uh, uh, whiteness is a social construct to give people like me power. Uh, undeserved. Because uh, no one deserves that power. <laughs> and yeah. So at its heart, it is still a mammoth movie. And before it even gets into anything, Mammoth's dialogue just annoys me. Yeah, it so, really, it really. So, like, I mean, the so only thing it had too. going, the only thing it had going for it for me in this is that we eventually reach a point at some point in the movie where we have so there's actually very little sustained dialogue. So like, I don't have to deal with that that weird clippy. I, I right, can't, right, right. I don't even know how to fully describe it. Yeah, it feels like yeah, it's mostly for, contained in the beginning of the movie. For so much of Mammoth's career being defined by the way his characters talk, uh, there's a surprising amount of silence in this movie. Yeah, uh, that was that was interesting, and I think it's a well shot movie. I think it's a well crafted movie. There's really yeah. not, there's nothing in the movie that isn't important. I'd say, um, I do think the the guy, uh, the murder at the beginning probably could have been more important. Uh, or yeah, or I mean, done certainly, other things, certainly. but uh, 
but obviously his his promise of knowing the nature of evil or solving and being able to solve the problem of evil is also just meant to put uh gold on edge right, right you know right, he yeah. serves his purpose in the first act uh he doesn't he doesn't need to come back later and deliver that line um and obviously, you know, any any movie about police, particularly American police, particularly '90s American police, uh, or 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 later, uh, or a little early, I guess. Any basically, basically any, anything about American police. Let's just... Anything about American police from at least '75 to today uh, uh, is gonna is gonna hit me wrong almost. Almost yeah, certainly. No, yeah, for sure. With yeah, few we're, exceptions. We're all kind of and we've watched some of those expen- exceptions. Yeah. Uh, certainly the and way uh, Do the Right Thing presents police is is something I can I right. can get behind. And, and uh, Yeah, and this is coming from a person who really, really enjoys watching police procedurals. And like, right, right, right. Well, that's the thing is like, this is not the kind of police procedural I actually enjoy watching. Because this isn't real. It is, but it. I like watching machines turn over. I don't really like watching. Right. Well, well, that's. From a procedural a end, from it's a procedural, really procedural end, one of the other problems is that uh, everything here is sort of coincidence. Yeah, and of course, you know, we get that uh, talking about it's it's coincidence until until oh, it was also true. Uh, but uh, but you know, everything he runs across, like it's not it's not like this group is planting clues for him to find, because he does seem to surprise them at some points. Right. Uh, but also just the way, I don't know. There's, there's something in the ending that made it feel like it was almost all just a dream or something. Like he imagined yeah, no, the entire Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I, I agree. Or that like, yeah, that or, or like some sort of weird sort of fever. Yeah. Sort of a fever dream almost where it's yeah. like, like maybe we find out that Gold's character just spent the entire weekend like sick with the flu in his, in right, his, right, right. In his, in his apartment, like dreaming this up right after he met that 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 family or something like went to solve the case yeah. came down with the flu and now we have him after i mean obviously he's been shot and things the, like that the dog the dog bit him yeah, yeah he's been in, a, yeah, yeah, in yeah. a weird rabies coma for the yeah, last yeah. four days uh having this dream um i don't know i don't know yeah i mean you know at the end end he obviously dies um but you know the uh the kids doing it is just really where where the movie ultimately definitely nail in the coffin loses me. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree completely. Yeah, it's it's really like I feel like that's where Mammoth loses the movie too, where he's yeah. just like whatever. <laughs> kind of as a, the ending. I w- I will say that much of the movie is 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 interesting to watch and well crafted. The ending does kind of feel like meh. Yeah. Here you go. Here's the ending of the movie. Meh, here you go. Because like whether or not the the plot and the sort of what the movie's trying to say is confusing or not, the movie's fairly engaging all the way throughout. Like you're watching and you're following along, you're 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 paying attention, yeah. and then you get to the end and it's like, well, I'm done. Right. Here you go. And it's of course, like the conclusion at the end of a paper where you're like, I don't know, I'll just right. repeat everything one more time and then I'll call it a day. Now we've only seen two Mammoth films, uh, and these are the only two in the collection right right now. Um, but you know, unlike other playwrights turned movie makers, uh, Mammoth's movies are not like his plays, right? Mm. And Mammoth never does an adaptation of his own play. 
Glengarry Den Ross was not directed by David Mamet. Uh, I can't think of any others offhand right now, but, um, but, uh, you know, his, his movies are not plays and his plays are not movies he's interested in making. And maybe that's sort of a disconnection of, uh, of him purposefully driving a wedge between aspects of his artistic endeavors. Right. Right. He doesn't want them to mix. Uh, obviously he doesn't want them to mix because he's never mixed them, but, uh, but I will say, you know, the ending of this movie is one of the moments where this feels the most play-like, right? Okay, <laughs> the, yeah, the conversation yeah. with, with Reigns. Um, other aspects of this do not feel like a play, but that feels like a play. Um, right. and, and that's another sort of place where the movie loses its footing because yeah. it doesn't seem to know what it wants to be in the same manner as the rest of the movie. Yeah, and, I would agree with that. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's certainly interesting. Uh, <laughs> that terrible word, interesting. Uh, I won't call it weird, but I will call it interesting. Yeah. Anyway, time to draw this one to a close. We've been talking about Homicide from 1991, directed and written by David Mamet. Uh, talking poorly about it, probably. I'll admit, yeah, but do we, as we do. As we do. We talk poorly about a lot of movies, uh, but we're more self-conscious about this one uh, because it is, you know, they are racial issues of which we should be conscious of whatever, trying to be conscious of whatever we're bringing into this conversation. Right. Uh, so I hope we have done that at least. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you've got any complaints, uh, Pat's Twitter is at J Patrick Dorgan and you yeah. can send him his way. It's fine. Uh, he needs I'm, the engagement. I'm pretty bad. Yeah. So, I'm lonely yeah. over there anyway. Uh, Be free to talk to me. <laughs> I mean, I mostly uh, just serve it and like things. That's kind of what I do. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, I use my likes as a send money to a, people sometimes when they ask yeah. for it until I run out right. of money. I feel like I can send and then I stop. Right, 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 right. That's a, uh, it's a good way to use Twitter today. <laughs> as a bookmarking website and a means to discover mutual aid opportunities. Yeah, basically. Uh, but yeah. Next week, we were talking about Alexander Corda's 1941, That Hamilton Woman, uh, which is a uh, historical drama. So, yay. Um, Corda produced a lot. I don't know that we've seen anything he directed before. That's probably not true, but I can't think right now. Uh, we've definitely seen stuff he... Uh, produced um and i think i think one of the quarter brothers directed one of the paul robeson movies i can't remember which one but yeah this will be the first the first alexander corda one that we have uh seen zoltan was the one is the other quarter who is okay. also directs every so often and we've seen we've seen one directed by zoltan before because it was in that set and i think we'll see more from sultan and at least two from from alexander but next week's is our first alexander court of movie and is that hamilton movie or <laughs> that hamilton movie it is that hamilton woman uh not to be confused with with hamilton itself though if you come in for the next episode singing not going to throw away my shot i i won't be surprised thank you so much for listening to lost in criterion i am as always the adam glass one thing as always john patrick otar dorgan and we'll see you next time
This has been Lost in Criteria. I'm your co-host Adam Glass. You can find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My partner is John Patrick Oitari Dorgan, and you can find him at J Patrick Dorgan. Check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at jonathantape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.